0: And the uh, the truth of that is right there in grandma's arms, little Nathan, God is was working long before even Kenny and Becky, and there's an answer right there to God's working in someone's life, isn't God good? And so this morning, I'm going to let you remain seated, and of course, uh, we want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, and of course, uh, our theme for the year is launched out of... Jeremiah 6 in verse 16 where Jeremiah the prophet wrote thus saith the Lord stand ye in the ways and see and so our current series which will probably culminate uh, in a couple weeks on Easter Sunday morning Resurrection Sunday but uh, God wants us to remember some things and we're going to take a look here in John chapter number 15 this morning and so if you have your Bibles you can follow along i've entitled the theme this uh the, the message this morning what he said that's what he wants us to remember is to remember what he said now by nature we tend to forget things and this morning maybe we'd be reminded from his word i know that <clears throat> in this world that we live in glory seems to fade quickly for instance you find that maybe somebody that was popular maybe somebody that was famous One day, but soon that person is quickly forgotten. I was amazed last week in my message. I used the illustration, true illustration of the life of Todd Beamer. And I asked in the message, I said, how many of you know Todd Beamer, the name Todd Beamer? I was amazed at how few people had remembered who Todd Beamer was. Of course, after uh, gave the illustration, many remembered, but that's just the way it is, is that many times we forget things. Now, not only that, but I think human nature many times is this, is we do not like being rejected. We do not like feeling rejected by other people. Uh, years ago, I used to look at in the newspaper, and I'm kind of dating myself here even by saying the word newspaper but uh, there were there was a section known as the comic strips, and I used to read a few of those in there. One of my favorites was this uh, section, and oftentimes there might have been just one, and it was a husband and wife, and their names was, was the Lockhorns. Does anybody remember the Lockhorns? few people do, and it was a husband, Leroy, and his wife, Loretta, and of course, a lot of times, Leroy was not very kind to his wife, but uh, after finishing a meal one day, Leroy said to his wife, Loretta, hey, save that recipe because I need to caulk the bathtub. You know, that, that made her feel so unappreciated. Uh, sometimes in our lives, we get to the place where we feel like maybe Loretta felt like we're no longer needed. We're no longer wanted. And, and when that happens in our lives, that's when we need to understand that God, as Becky just saying, is God is always working. God wants to use our lives, and Jesus in John 15 is spending time with his disciples, and he is trying to help them, and here's the reason why, because it's going to be just a short amount of time where Jesus would no longer be there with them. Now, I'll tell you this, they were always going to need him. Just like you today, tomorrow, and every day, you too and I need the Lord every day in our lives. Now this is just a depiction this morning. It's not a real picture uh, per se of the Lord Jesus maybe on one of the days of his ministry. Now he had been, by the time you come to John 15, Jesus had been on the earth for about 30, 33 years or so and Jesus had spent the last three years with a small group of individuals. Many times we call the apostles. Uh, The Bible uses the word disciples. It means to be Followers of the Lord Jesus, and Jesus had spent many times like this one teaching them. Now, can I tell you that even though physically we didn't have the privilege to be with Him, that Jesus, even with them, He says, Listen, I'm going away, but He says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. So, here we understand in our lives that even though Jesus physically is not here today, He has promised that where two or three are gathered together in His name, that He would be in our midst. How many of you believe God is with us today? Listen, if if God's not here, we might as well close our Bibles and turn out the lights and go home. But I came this morning to hear from God. I came this morning to meet with the Lord, and I hope that you allow the Lord to help you the way He was trying to help this group of individuals known as his disciples. Now, what was he doing when we come to John 15? Jesus, even before this, Jesus was trying to prepare them for some of the feelings that they would experience when he left them. Now, did you notice the word I used? See, our salvation, our Christian life is not based on feelings, but we're human beings. And because we are human, that means many times we're going to have emotional highs and emotional lows. We're going to go through many things. We're going to experience much. And Jesus was trying to tell them, and this wasn't the first time, that he was going away. And that he was no longer going to be with them. They would be on their own. And that he was trying to prepare them to be ready to face the challenges that they would face in the days ahead. He was trying to help them because the time was coming. Now, if you have your Bible open in John 15, if you look back one chapter, John 14, John 14, 1 begins with these words. Jesus said, let not your heart be what? Trouble. See, Jesus knew. Listen, he's God. He knew what was coming ahead. By the way, in your life, He knows what your tomorrow holds. God already knows what's going to happen in the days ahead. And so he was telling them in chapter 14, listen, I know that there are going to be some times, some challenges you're going to face. Let not your heart be troubled. When you come to chapter 15, there in your notes, look at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, Every branch in me. Notice he's talking here about a relationship. Now, in verse number five of John 15, he says these words. He says in verse five, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Now, the word vine, we understand, might be something that is coming off of a branch, but the reality is the word here, we would call it the trunk of the tree. The main part of the tree, and if you can visualize a tree, you have the branches coming off of the trunk of the tree. That's why Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Well, look, understand that Jesus was teaching his disciples in John 15 that in in your life, that even though I may not be here much longer, that you will always find your nourishment, you will always find your strength in me. That's why we need to make sure we have a relationship with the Lord, an active personal relationship with Him, and we need His nourishment every day. Now, come down in John 15 to verse 20, and this is our text for this message this morning. Look at verse 20. Jesus says, Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord, If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Now Jesus says, remember. There's some things I want you to remember. He was telling his disciples. Now one thing we know here at Bible Baptist Church, and we believe this, is that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. How many of you believe that? That literally means that every word of God is God-breathed, God-spirited, and we believe here in the infallibility of God's word. We believe that God's word, has, there's no errors, there's no omission, omissions. Now, many today are tampering with the word of God, but we believe every word of God is true. And listen, as Jesus was saying to his disciples here in this passage, he was saying, look, there's some things that I have said to you that I want you to remember. Now, when Jesus, who was God, who is the Word, said, I want you to remember something, it's one thing to say it. It's a totally different thing to say, I want you to remember what I just said. What he is doing is he's placing an emphasis on something. You know, it's kind of like when your parents would try to get your attention. Do you remember those days, some of us that are older? My dad used to say, are you listening to me, boy? And I would say, yes, sir. Now, the disciples heard many things from Jesus. You know, just like you, I mean, I don't know how many years. I've been a Christian for 37 years. I've heard a lot of things, not only from my Bible reading. But from sitting in services just like this, God has shown me many things. Now, the sad thing is, I haven't remembered it all. We easily forget things. We need to be reminded of some things. And this morning, when we come to this passage in John 15, I want you in your mind to remember this as we're going through the message Jesus, in just a short amount of time, was going to leave his disciples. He was going to walk across the Kidron Valley. He was going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was going to pray that prayer in the garden. He would be betrayed, put on trial for his life, and go to the cross for your sins and for mine. And I want you to keep that in your mind as Jesus, in these last moments is trying to help his disciples remember the words that he had said to them. And with that in mind, I want you to think about this, because Jesus is saying to them, Look, they've persecuted me. And if they persecuted me, and you are one of my followers, they will also persecute you. He did not want them, and the reason he was reminded of some things is, listen, the easiest thing to do is to quit, but can I tell you, the worst thing you could do in your life is to quit on God. We need to finish our course that God has given to us, just like the Apostle Paul. Now, notice what the Bible says in your notes in Jude, verse 17. Beloved, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. What is he talking about? He's describing people here that are not saved, that do not have the Spirit of God. And he says, listen, these are people that are sensual. Now, the word sensual there means that they are living their lives by the flesh. Everything they do is according to the flesh. Now, a Christian is instructed in the Word of God to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the Bible says, look, there is going to come a time, and Jesus said, look, it's to His disciples, I know, I already know that it's going to get tough in the days ahead. And I want you to be ready because you will face some things. Now, here we are, 2022. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross. Jesus said these words that he said in John 15. And how many of you have realized in your Christian life that there are still mockers in our day that want nothing to do with God? How many of you figured that out by now? Listen, here we are. It's nothing new. As a matter of fact, it's going to intensify that's why just like his disciples you and I need to remember the words of the Lord and we need to learn the lessons that God has for us from John 15 this morning. So with that in mind let's notice the first thing that he says I want you to remember and here it is look at verse 20 again. Remember the word that I said unto you here it is number 1 the spirit excuse me the servant is not greater than the lord than his lord. So, we need to remember that our position is a position of a servant of God. You are a servant of God. And this morning that is something that so many people struggle with because as the Bible says here, look at it again, the servant is not greater than his lord. Let's say that together. The servant greater than his lord. Now, many people serve God, but here's how they serve God. They serve God from an advisory position. In other words, they like to give their own opinion, you know, on how things should be done, Uh, almost as if maybe they know better than God does. Now, sometimes, as I mentioned this morning, and again, not trying to guilt anybody, but uh, listen, this is God's house, and This is something that we should all steward and we should all want to be a part of the work of God, but many times we almost act like that that is beneath me, like I'm too good for that. And when it comes to tangible things here at church, like maybe uh, cleaning or working in the nursery or singing in the choir, sometimes we forget simply that God has called us to be servants. A lot of times we don't like to look at ourselves that way because we think ourselves better than that. Well, how do we recognize our position as a servant of God? We must do it this way, by recognizing our Lord daily. Jesus said again, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If you're here this morning and you are saved, Jesus is your Savior. Your sins have been washed In His precious blood. How many of you are thankful for that this morning, right? Now look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.11. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified. Well, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Have you settled the fact yet that He is your Lord And he is your master. Because according to the scriptures, the servant is not greater than his Lord. The truth be known, listen, God, he has full control over our lives. He has full control over our families. He has full control over our finances. Why? Because it is all his. According to God's word, he is the Lord. He is the creator of all things, and we are his servants. And the Bible says that we are not greater than our Lord, so daily we must recognize that he is our master, that he is our Lord, that it is his life that he has given to us. The Bible says you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body which is the Lord's. God has given you the life that He has, and daily we must recognize it is His life, and as our Lord, listen, Jesus gives us the greatest example, and here's what He did. Jesus humbled Himself as a servant. Now, what an example He gives to us that He wants us to be like Him. Couple of verses in your notes there. Look at Mark 10:45. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister or to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There was a day where Jesus said to his disciples there in Luke 22, whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that setteth at meat? But notice what he says, "'But I am among you as he that serveth.'" Jesus humbled himself, the creator of this world. The Bible says he took upon himself the form of a servant. And the Bible tells us there in Philippians 2, in verse 9, "'Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus.'" What mind is God talking about? What mindset should we have that, listen, he is my Lord, he is my master, and I am his servant. That's the mind of Christ. But many times we don't have that mind. Our desire should be to think and to act just like Jesus. You see, the first thing that he says I want you to remember is, that you are a servant of God. Well, listen, how are we going to do that? Well, we have to recognize our Lord daily. And then we have to reflect our Lord in this world that we live in. This world needs to see. And listen, the Bible does say, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, our lives should give evidence that He is our Savior, that we are His. Notice what Peter says there in 1 Peter chapter 2. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. Now look at this, that ye, Christians, believers, should follow His steps. Well, what were the steps of the Savior? How did Jesus live live his life? What was the example that he gave to us? Here it is. Look at what Peter says. Talking about Jesus, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Now, get, look, none of us are perfect, none of us certainly are not God in the flesh as Jesus was, but God who has saved us has called us to be holy, and God says, listen, I want you to follow my son's example, I want you to walk in his steps, I want you to, that's by the way, that's why God uses the word that they were first called Christians, because the word Christian means to be like Christ, to be a little Christ. See, this world needs to see us, Christians, reflecting Him in this world, and we need to make sure that we're following His steps. Jesus, the Lord of this universe, became a servant even unto death, the death of the cross. We are instructed to follow in His steps, but listen, so many people struggle with this. I personally believe that the more we grow in the Lord, the more we mature as a Christian, that we should not see ourselves in this life as self-operators, but we should see ourselves as servants of the living God. And the servant is not greater than his Lord. Now, Jesus gave a great example of this just before our passage here in John 15, back in John 13. Look in your notes at these few verses the Bible says, after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. Now, do you remember right before this, the Bible records that here's Jesus in this upper room, that he has spent this time, many is, many call this the last supper, the last time that Jesus would sit down with his disciples. And he, of course, was teaching them many things while he was in that upper room. But one of the things that Jesus did that should have left a permanent impact on their, not only their minds, but their hearts, and it should have changed their lives forever, and I really believe it did, was that Jesus, after eating with them, he pushed away from the table and he took a towel and he girded himself with that towel, and then he took a basin of water, and he began to wash the dirty feet of the disciples. And as Jesus did that, he then took the towel off, he then sat back down, and here's what he asked them, know ye what I have done to you. Now the disciples are like many of us, you know, they always acted like they knew. But many times, no comprendo. They had no clue. But notice the Bible says here, Jesus says, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If, notice that word there, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, here it is again, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. So here, Jesus says, look, I've given you an example, but you need to understand You're not going to do what I just did to you unless you understand one fact, and that is that the servant is not greater than his Lord. Now, here's the disciples. (laughs) Jesus here is is doing this. And and here they are. Watch this. They're arguing about who is going to be the greatest. You know, people, I was just talking to one of the guys before I came in for the service, and people just want to argue about the most petty things. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? He says, look, that's not up for me to decide. He says, that's my Father. He says, "It's, it's not for me. I do know this, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father today. It's not one of the sons of thunder, and I'm glad for that. But here they are arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and what is Jesus doing? He's serving. See, man oftentimes wants to be numeral uno. And God says, listen, my way up is down. You are a servant. We need to reflect the Lord every day. Look, it's hard in this day and hour. It's hard to find somebody that really has a true servant's heart. Everybody enjoys sitting down at the table, but where's the person that would get up from the table and start to clean the table off? Where's the person that would do the dishes while everybody else is sitting around relaxing? Where's the person that would grab a vacuum and vacuum the floor? Where's the person that would do something that no one else would do? That's the example Jesus gave. See, I love this little statement. Somebody said, every church. It's filled with willing people, some willing to serve and others willing to let them. (laughs) Do you have a servant's heart? Because listen, if you understand what Jesus said, I want you to remember that you are a servant of God. Listen, serving God is the greatest thing you could do because when we serve, we serve just like Jesus. And he says, I want you to remember something. The first thing I want you to remember is the servant is not greater than the Lord. Now, understand, that's only one. Look at the second thing. Look back at verse 20. He says, the second thing I want you to remember, here it is. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus said, if you're going to serve like me, look at this. There's going to be the potential for suffering. And you need to remember that because there could come a time where you will suffer because you are one of my followers. Remember how Jesus was on trial and, of course, we understood it was the plan of God. But remember how Peter had pulled away and he was over there warming his hands by the fire? You remember what the people said to him? Hey, hey, you're one of his followers. remember what he did? He denied, right? You see, just by the way we act, just by the way we talk, maybe even by the way we dress, by the way we live our lives, by the way we conduct ourselves, people are going to say, hey, listen, there's something different about you. And Jesus said, look, if they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. And you need to remember this. See, he was going to be leaving them soon. Look what it says just one chapter over, John 16, verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. Now, let me just stop here and remind you of a verse in the Old Testament of your Bible that says this. Great peace have they, which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We get so bent out of shape sometimes. We get so offended years ago when I I started going out being a witness for the Lord and I started telling people about how that they can have a home in heaven and people were rejecting and people were slamming their door and people were all different kinds of things while I was out there. I took it personal. I, I thought, I thought, listen. Uh, that's it. I don't need this. I mean, I got enough going on. I got enough people that don't like me. I don't need new enemies. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then somebody helped me. They said, listen, let me just remind you that when you go out, you're going out for the Lord. When you go out, you're going in Jesus' name. And when you go out, you're telling them about eternal life. And listen, when they reject, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. That really helped me. It also helped me to pray more. Because listen, when somebody rejects Jesus, they're rejecting eternal life. And Jesus says, look at it again in John 16. He says, I've spoken these things unto you that you should not be offended. Now watch, they shall put you out of the synagogues. In other words, they're they're not even going to let you come in the house of God. And if that's not bad enough, look at this. The time cometh that whosoever killeth you, will think that he doeth God service. You know what Jesus is telling? He's saying, look, I'm going to tell you, there's a mark, there's a target on your back because you are one of my followers. And he says, he's really telling them what some of their lives are going to end like because they're going to die for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, and when they kill you, they actually think that they're doing it in the name of the Lord. And look what it says here. These things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. See, they're unbelievers. Now, a great example of that is who? Saul of Tarsus. You remember before he got saved on the road to Damascus and he became the great apostle Paul? Well, when he was Saul, he was a Pharisee, the, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and What was he doing? He was going, by the way, when he got saved, he was on his way, six-day journey to Damascus to do the very same thing. Men and women like yourselves that were believers in Christ, he was taking them out of their homes, throwing them in prison, and many of them lost their lives for their faith in Christ. And you know what? In Saul's heart and his mind at that time, because he did not know the Lord, he thought he was doing a service for God. And there are people like that. There are people today that think that God put them on this earth to do away with all of Christianity. But understand this morning that as we live for the Lord, that there are many, and there are today, who cry tolerance today. But the reality is is that those that are crying tolerance are really very intolerant to the things of God. They're not interested in the truth and Jesus predicted that this spirit would come into this very age that we are living today and that's why it's important Jesus said that even though I'm going away that there are some things that you need to remember and one of them is that as my servant you are not greater than your Lord and secondly there is the potential that you will suffer as one of my followers. Now notice with me the believers example that we see in suffering. And Jesus said to them, "If you, listen, you will suffer because you are one of my followers. Now, all the way back in what's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 5, notice it says here in verse number 11, blessed are ye, and another word for blessed is happy. Now watch this, what should we be happy about? When men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, for my sake. What's the next word? What is it? Rejoice. When people are reviling us, when people are are opposing us, when people are saying things that are not true about us to other people, what are we supposed to do, Christians? Rejoice. Well, how in the world can we rejoice? Look at it. Not only rejoice and be exceeding, glad, for great is your reward, where? In heaven. heaven. See, our treasures are somewhere beyond the blue. Understand this morning that, that, listen, God, God is the only one that matters, and God is watching what we do in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says that, listen, it may not happen on this earth. By the way, I don't do it so that I can get from God, but I'll tell you this, that as we serve God as we live for God, that God says that you will be rewarded someday in heaven. And look what he says, For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Joshua, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Daniel, all what we call the minor prophets, many in the Old Testament were persecuted for their faith in Christ. And listen, somebody said, and I love the quote, God's choice, notice God's choice makes chosen men choice men. Understand this morning that as we are chosen by God, we are not chosen in a palace, we are chosen by God in a furnace. And the Bible says that, listen, we should rejoice when we are suffering for His namesake. One of the reformers of many years ago was cast into prison for his faith in Christ in Europe. And while he was there in his jail cell, he scratched out on the wall of his jail cell these words. Here's what he said, the more the suffering here on this earth, the more the glory in heaven with my Savior. What an attitude. The reformers and many others before us have had and that is that it's a privilege to suffer in the name of Jesus Christ. Notice in our passage this morning in verse 21 of John 15, Jesus said, all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Why? Because they know not him that sent me. They don't know God. Uh, they, they think they're doing God a service. And we see the believer's example in suffering, but we also see the believer's experience in suffering. Most of us are well familiar, maybe with the verse, but maybe not living it out yet in our lives. But if the Lord tarries His coming, many of us will become familiar with 2 Timothy 3.12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, it's going to happen if it hasn't happened already. Now, you say, well, why do we have to go through that? Why does God allow the suffering? And I was reminded of that by a great example or illustration this week. You see this piano over here that the ladies play every week? It makes beautiful noise when they sit down and begin to play those keys. Somebody reminded me that a typical concert piano has over 240 strings. And when those strings are tuned and tightened, they create a pull of 40,000 pounds on the frame of that instrument. But see, when you think about that, without the tension, there would be no beautiful music that would come out of that piano. And without the tension, without the suffering that we go through, there would be no beautiful music that would come out of our lives. God is using us and I love here where he says all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The reality is is that verse is kind of saying all that will to live godly are all who will determine to live for God. If you're going to live for God, There are going to be some things that are going to be said about you if they haven't been already. And if you're going to live for God, there are going to be some things that are going to be done to you if they haven't been done already. And there are many that I'm reminded of that are proven historical things that happened. For instance, in these individuals that Jesus is talking to in John 15 and some others, Paul was beheaded, Andrew and Peter were crucified, Thomas and Matthew were stabbed to death. James was stoned and clubbed to death. Matthias was stoned and beheaded. John was boiled in oil. Mark was dragged to death. Luke was hanged on an olive tree. And many others gave their lives for the cause of Christ. In the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the great hall of faith, the Bible says as we pick it up in verse 36 in your notes, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And the Bible says this of them, of whom the world was not worthy. Them, as well as many others, have paid the ultimate price, and that is the giving of their lives so that we can have what we have in the Lord today. I'm reminded many times of great illustrations of this. One of those is if you take a clay pot and you set that clay pot out in the sun and it sits out in the sun, guess what? It will always be just that, a clay pot. But if you take that clay pot and you put it in a, the white heat of a furnace, that clay pot will become porcelain. It will become something that is precious, Almost priceless. And understand this morning, Jesus said, I want you to remember. I want you to remember that the servant is not greater than his Lord. When I'm gone, you need to remember to serve as I served you. And I need you to also remember that, listen, as they have persecuted me, you're next up. It's going to be your turn. If you're going to live for me, your target is going to be on you because I will no longer be here. But there was a third thing that he wanted them to remember. And I want you to look at the last part of verse 20. Here's what he says. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. See, here he's telling them, you need to remember my promise to send you. Now, what was he about to do? Jesus was sending them out into the world. What are we as the church today supposed to do? Well, we're not supposed to stay in the confines of the church all the time. God wants us to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, ye shall be witnesses uh, of me. He says, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God says, I want you to go everywhere, and that's what he was going to do with them. The word apostle that we used earlier literally means a sent one, one that is being sent forth. Jesus was preparing to send them out into the world, and I love how they're described there in Acts 17 as these are they that have turned the world upside down. How did they do that? Listen, they weren't destroying things. They were preaching the gospel, the good news. Now, the known world in that day was much different than the day they is today. The world back in that time, the world that they probably reached for the Lord would have maybe been North Africa, maybe part of the Mediterranean region there that we oftentimes see in our Bible maps, might even have been part of Europe. But one thing we do know is that they went everywhere in the known world preaching the gospel. And we need to be reminded this morning that God is sending us out, just like He sent His disciples out. Now notice that if we are going to be sent out, what do we need to do? True believers need to hear the scriptures. See, it's one thing to hear, it's another to act upon what you've just heard. And the Bible says, "Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be ye a doer of the word." So we need to hear the Scriptures uh, many times. And I don't know about you, but I've been uh, many times. I've walked out of church and I've thought to myself, "Now, what did I just hear?" Sometimes I've been tempted, and I won't do this. But I've been tempted to stand at the door and just ask people, "Now, what did you learn this morning? What do you remember this morning?" I I won't be standing, you won't have to avoid me going out the door. Some of you are like, wow, I need to wake up and start remembering some of this. I told you, we're real easy to forget what God has said to us. But true believers, they want to know what the Bible says. Look at this word here in verse 20 again. He says, if they have kept my saying. Now, that's a neat word there, the word kept. It means to attend to carefully to guard that's the way you need to look at God's word you need to attend to it carefully know what it has to say if a person has a desire to hear the word of God guess what that that means there's evidence there that God is at work i i, I run into people all the time where they 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 have no appetite many many times listen it's because they are an unbeliever, and unbelievers resist the Word of God. They have no desire to, to hear the Word of God. To, they have no appetite for the Word of God. And, and I want you to notice, it, look at verse 22 of John 15. Here's what Jesus says to them. He says, If I had not come and spoken unto them, now the them are the ones that don't know Him. Them are those that are not believers. He says, but he came to them, he spoke to them. Notice he says, if I wouldn't have come, they had not had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. Let me illustrate this. You get in your car after you leave here, you get on Pines Boulevard, and you just you you mash that gas pedal all the way to the floor and just leave it there. Eventually you're gonna have this friendly person that's going to pull you over just to have a conversation with you. And he's going to say to you, oh, you might, you might be so arrogant to say, officer, why did you pull me over? As if you didn't know. And he's going to say, um, you were exceeding the speed limit. Well, I didn't know there was one. Well, You just passed three signs on the side of the road. Again, you can't claim ignorance because you had knowledge of it. So here's Jesus. Get this. He's saying, look, I have spoken to you. You're my followers. And you have a desire. You want to hear. He says, but there are many that have heard, but they're not interested. Now, notice again what he says. He says, Now they have no cloak for their sin. The words no cloak means an alleged reason, a pretended cause. They are without excuse. See, look, many times, here's what happens is, if you have never heard something before, you could claim ignorance. But once you have knowledge of it, you no longer can claim ignorance if you, if you choose to ignore it, that's called rebellion. That's called disobedience. That's called sin. It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. God says you can have anything in this garden except what's on the tree in the midst of the garden. Listen, God told them, but yet what did they choose to do? They chose to disobey God. And Jesus says of those that have heard Him, that have heard the truth, He says they have no cloak, they are without excuse. They, many have heard about God today, but they have chosen to reject Him. Notice those that, that Jesus was speaking to in His day. Look in your notes there in John 8, verse 39. They answered and said unto Him, Abraham is our father. Now, do you know that God is... The one thing that he's always wanted, and that is to be your God. He says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, here they are. They're saying, Abraham is our father. Now, notice Jesus' response to that. He says, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that had told you the truth, which I have heard of God. Now notice he says, this did not Abraham. Abraham didn't do for you what I'm doing. Abraham didn't share with you the things that I have shared with you. Abraham didn't try to help you the way I have tried to help you. But you stand here and say to me, who is God in the flesh? Abraham is our father. You see, like so many today, they were interested more in a religion than a relationship. It's kind of like... Look in your notes here, this passage in John 11, where the Bible says, When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees. And they told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and Pharisees. By the way, the chief priests and Pharisees are basically the religious leaders of the day. Keep that in mind. Notice the chief priests and the Pharisees, a council said, what do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. In other words, the scribes and the Pharisees were only interested in self-preservation. It was about their kingdom instead of His kingdom. It was about what they were doing. It was a power struggle. It was about authority. They were blind to the teachings of Jesus Christ Himself. And Jesus said, guess what? You are now without a cloak. You have no covering. You have no excuse. You have heard the truth, but you have chosen to reject the truth. And as Christians, can I remind you, as Jesus did his disciples, that we are his witnesses, that he is wanting to send us out. But listen, that's why it's so important that we hear the scriptures, but notice we also heed to the Spirit. Now, to heed to the Spirit means to listen to the Spirit. How many of you believe God, the Holy Spirit is God? Raise your hand. Because according to the Word of God, He is. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, we should listen. Now notice verse 26 in John 15. When the Comforter is come, whom I, that's Jesus, will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He, the Spirit, shall testify of me. The Comforter that he mentions here, capital letter C, is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the paraclete. He is the one that comes alongside of us. And Jesus says, look, I am going to send the Comforter to you. When you are born again, you are born again by the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, as the Spirit comes He says, I will be the one that sends the Spirit, which shows you the place of Jesus in the Godhead. Jesus is co-equal with the Father, and when you and I put our faith in Christ as our Savior, we receive in this present time the Holy Spirit of God, which dwells within us. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and as the Holy Spirit lives in us, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will testify, the Holy Spirit will teach you about me. How can we learn about Jesus, about what he said, about what he did? By having the Holy Spirit that as we look in the pages and we look at the words of God, the Holy Spirit teaches, the Holy Spirit testifies the truth to us about the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us a mind, uh, an understanding about who Jesus is and about What Jesus said, look what John said in 1 John 5, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. And we, you and I, must be faithful to get out the truth, to get out the word of God. Listen, our generation needs the truth. Because, listen, they are following a pack of lies today. And Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, we are to be his witnesses. Well, how do we do that? Listen, he wants to send us out. That's why we must hear the scriptures, and we must heed the spirit so that others might hear about Jesus, and that others might be saved. See, it's one thing to be a saved person, but your heart's desire this morning is so that others might be saved also. Why do we invite people to church? Why do we go out week after week going down the streets? And why do we give out the gospel so that others, too, can be saved? But yet so many, so many people have heard the message that you heard this morning. So many people have heard what Jesus has had to say. And their attitude many times is, listen, it's all well and good. I don't really need that. It's kind of like the, the account about a, a student who was seeking instruction in the art of martial arts. And he arrived at a school one day. There was a noted teacher that was there at that school. And he was, of course, invited to sit down with the master and have some tea as they sat there and began to talk the each time the teacher would say something this student would say well i already know that or the student would say something like this he would say i don't i don't have a problem with that and after a few minutes of this student just continuing to interrupt the the master the master grew silent he just picked up the teapot and he began to pour into the student, prospective student's cup. And he kept pouring until eventually what he was pouring filled the cup and began to overflow on the saucer. And the student yelled out to the master, he said, enough! My cup is full! And the master said to him, yes it is. Therefore I can teach you nothing until you empty your cup. Do you know every day God wants to teach you something. But you know why He can't? Because we're so full of ourselves. The disciples, who's going to be the greatest? It was all about them. Truth is, it wasn't about them at all, it was all about the Master. And He was just, listen, just a few really days from going to the cross. And he said, I want to remind you again, the servant is not greater than his Lord. And they, they've persecuted me. And you just need to remember, they're going to persecute you. But even though they do, you just continue to tell others about me. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'll just ask you to, just for a quick moment, just to be still. What have you learned today? What has God taught you? See, it's easy sometimes to think that we are something, someone. You know what you are according to the Word of God? You're a servant, a servant of God. Some of us just need to admit that. And by the way, Paul, with all his accolades, I think that was one of the things he was most proud of. He was a servant of God. Some of you, maybe you've experienced some persecution, some suffering. If you haven't, you probably will. But you know, if you... Go through times of suffering, and it's because you're a Christian, you're doing what you should be doing. That's evidence that you're doing what you're doing for His name's sake. And if you're doing it for Him, He's promised to be with you. And some of you need to be reminded. That God saved you, not just so you can live the Christian life. He saved you so you would tell others about him. Don't be like that student to the master. And act like in your heart you know it all. Why don't you humbly come this morning like Jesus did? You see, Jesus humbled himself. Why don't you say, I want that kind of mind As the piano plays, Brother Kenny sings, Why don't you come this morning? Why don't you come to the Lord? If God has spoken to you, do not, do not resist the Spirit. Do business with God. Will you remember what he reminded his disciples of?